Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray. Quality people, we are back with episode number 78 of the Healthcare Quality Cast, powered by the Quality Coaching Company. It's your host, Jarvis Gray, and I am 100% thrilled to introduce you all to today's guest. Now, since I've started this podcast, I've wanted to use the phrase, first-time caller, long-time listener, and today I finally get that chance. My guest today is Sarah Cook, and she has been a friend and supporter of the podcast for quite some time. Sarah currently serves as a performance engineer at Monument Health in the Black Hills of South Dakota. Sarah brings over 14 years of experience in healthcare, including being a clinical laboratory scientist in microbiology and a laboratory quality specialist. Sarah is a Lean Six Sigma certified greenbelt, and in her current role, she facilitates lean concepts for healthcare quality improvement initiatives by collaborating with teams to reduce waste, streamline processes, and create a value-added experience for the patients that they serve. Here in episode number 78, Sarah starts our show with a dimming classic, reminding us that bad processes will always beat a good person. Sarah takes us through her career journey, moving from the lab and into her current quality improvement role, and gives us an impromptu podcast tour of South Dakota. Sarah shares a moment of failure connected with her earliest improvement project. She walks us through her best practice approaches for building trust on her project teams. She tells what her most value-added tactic is for going to where the work is. Sarah shares her aha moment connected with determining the cost of quality in healthcare, provides her vision for getting executive leaders more involved with quality improvement initiatives, and the successes that she's had with reaching out and connecting with past guests of the show as a way of adding to her personal and professional development. Sarah, I truly hope that I lived up to expectations with our conversations here, but know that I absolutely enjoy talking with you, and I appreciate you again for the engagement and the feedback that you share with this podcast quality people, I hope this serves as a great example of my vision to make this more than just a podcast. To me, we are a growing community and I personally appreciate every chance that I get to connect with you all out there. LinkedIn is hands down the best way to connect with me if you haven't already. And also be sure to join our group page using the link shared in the notes below. Thank you everyone. And please continue to stay safe and productive throughout the rest of the summer. And I'll see you next week when we return with another quality guest. Thank you for joining in on another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cast. And today I'm here with my guest, Sarah Cook. Sarah, are you ready to share with some quality people? Absolutely. All right. Well, Sarah, you know, because you are a listener of the show, but we love to start every show with getting our positive affirmations going and really get the momentum for our show tonight. I would love if you could share a favorite quote or a mindset, but tell us why it appeals to you and how do you apply it on a daily basis? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to have to go full Deming on this. Um, The quote is, a bad system will beat a good person every time. Um, I apply this philosophy to every project that I'm involved in and to consider how we can make it easy easier to do the right thing every time in order to set everyone up for success. Also, this helps to give some safety around experimentation. 
um, by removing the perception that people are at the root cause of errors. No, well, I, I personally love that. That is one of my personal favorite quotes. And I, I use it <laughs> every chance I get when I'm working with Team Sarah, because, you know, unfortunately, still in our healthcare culture, we we almost always point to people first. And that's, Definitely. yeah, that's the first card that I play is like, nope, let's talk about the process, right? So, right. <laughs> wonderful. No, I appreciate, I appreciate that mindset. And I think that's a great quote. Um, to get us started. But again, Sarah, I was just kind of quickly bragging about you. But first and foremost, I have to say thank you for the support and just the positive ideas and the feedback that you share with me personally about this podcast. So um, of course, when I had a chance to check out your profile and just see the really um, perfect background that you're coming with and offering for this podcast. Um, it was a no-brainer that I was going to try to swindle you into joining the show. So just thank you. Yeah, thank you for everything. I really well, appreciate it. Jarvis, thank you. Um, I'm such an avid listener of your podcast, and it has been very valuable for me, both personally and professionally, um, to listen in. So thank you. All right. Well, let's let's dig in on that point. Um, I would love, Sarah, if you could share with our quality people and me, of course, because I'm going to learn all about you in our conversation. <laughs> but um, share with us, you know, your current role, um, your professional background and definitely what led you into this career path. Absolutely. Uh, so right now I am a performance engineer for Monument Health in the beautiful Black Hills in South Dakota. Uh, I started out in a behavioral neuroscience research laboratory at Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon. Um, I had known I wanted to be in healthcare, uh, but I also knew that I wasn't interested in direct patient contact, and I really loved being in the laboratory. Uh, I learned about clinical laboratory science, and I realized it was a perfect fit for me. So I attended a clinical laboratory science program at OHSU, Oregon Health and Science University, and Oregon Institute of Technology. And once I graduated, I started working at the Portland uh, VA Medical Center in the microbiology lab. And I was there for about eight years. And during that time, I became very interested in quality improvement and learning more about the complexities of healthcare. Um, in the lab, I felt pretty siloed from many pieces of health services, and I didn't know much about the impact of what each and every piece of healthcare requires and its value. Uh, I'm still in the mindset that in healthcare, there are doctors and nurses and some pieces of other healthcare services on the side, like the laboratory. Uh, my mindset on quality generally came down to giving accurate results and meeting accreditation standards. Um, I was interested in what the flow looked like. Was it the same for everyone? What I was, um, how could it be engaging? Uh, how to set everyone up for success by becoming more standardized, thinking about uh, things that we could remove from, from the process that could make it better and easier. Um, and when my husband and I started a family, we wanted to make a change in an, our environment and careers. And I started looking around and I applied for a position at Monument Health in Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, for a role in microbiology slash education specialist slash quality and safety specialist. And after about a year, my focus really became uh, quality and safety for the laboratory system. And during this time, I was introduced to other caregivers who talked about lean 
And it was like puzzle pieces coming together. Uh, the philosophy, the tools, it rocked my world. And I was able to apply those same tools and philosophies to my role. And when I moved from the laboratory setting and became a performance engineer, I started to seek out other quality people in the organization, uh, collaborate on projects, and finally, well, finally saw the intricacies of healthcare in the big picture. And I'm still learning. Um, and all of the pieces that have to work together to support sustainable improvements. And that's how I ended up where I am. All right, perfect. And, you know, to your, to your last comment there, you know, you're still learning. I've been at this for what feels like forever, um, and I'm still learning. Uh, it's rare that I have two days that are the same. So if that, if that makes you feel any better, trust me, you're in a good spot. But <laughs> I my, know. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so two two spinoff questions. I already gave you a heads up about that, but um, <laughs> one one is definitely going to be more serious than the next. But Sarah, I am from South Florida. I am from Miami, born and raised. You are in South Dakota, so I know. All I knew I, this was coming. Yeah, all all I picture is probably a nice rural area that's very cold. So could you just take a second confirm <laughs> what I'm guessing, or or teach me what does Rapid City, South Dakota? You know, what is that experience like living there? Oh, yeah. Um, well, it is pretty rural. Um, looking outside right now, and it's not a good example. It's raining. But, um, I mean, lots of plains, but lots of mountains, hills. Um, there's a really good mixture. Um, the weather is pretty erratic. Uh, it snowed on Mother's Day. Um, but then it's sunny. Uh, there's a good variety here. So don't be too afraid. Okay, because like, like right right here in Atlanta, Georgia, we're looking at, you know, high 80s, I think, sometime later this week. So, Please um, stop. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I could not imagine being somewhere where there's cold and snow right now. But um, <clears throat> I guess in line with the show, let me ask you this. So a lot of what you shared in your background sounds like a lot of lab work and, lab, you know, laboratory uh, profession. Yeah. Is that still your yeah. focus now as a performance engineer or are you doing, you know, more entire facility? Um, I guess walk us through the life of, you know, a, a day in the life, so to speak, of, of a performance engineer with what you're doing now or is it core to the lab? Still? No. Um, so the performance engineer role that I'm in is for the entire organization. And so uh, Monument Health has five hospitals, um, several clinics, several specialties. Um, so my job is great because it takes me wherever people are interested in focusing on improvement. Um, I will, right now I have projects that are in um, surgery infection, uh, turnaround time, uh, wherever people are interested in um, making quality improvements, that's where I'm deployed. Um, so yeah, there's a pretty huge variety. Okay, awesome, perfect. Because now I was just going to connect a few dots. I've had the I've had the chance really to do projects all over within a hospital specifically. Um, I always yeah. love working in the labs though, doing lean and Six Sigma initiatives <laughs> because it's such a production line. Um, yes. But that that was the same. Yeah, yeah that, I guess that's where my head was going to go. But it's great to hear you're also doing it for an entire you know facility that's supporting. So um, very right. impressive. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, Sarah, you are in the right place. So awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you, can you take out that long pause? I do that. <laughs> no, get out of here. I, I must have. I may have missed it, but you're fine. <laughs> oh, no. 
Now, Sarah, let me let me move you to the next question now. Um, as you know, you know, I, I call this kind of the dark place question, but I would love to um, have you take us back on a journey through your entire healthcare career, or but specifically, you know, the healthcare quality improvement side of it, and share with us your best moment of failure. And, and with that, I would love for you to, you know, share with us a story, the moment that you were going through, the decisions you may have been going through to turn that moment around, but most importantly, the lessons learned from that moment. Absolutely. Um, you know, this is my favorite question that you ask your guests. And when I actually had to consider it, um, I really, I struggled uh, for a while because I wasn't sure that what I had in mind was dark enough. (laughs) Um, But then when I look back, it really was one of the most difficult times uh, starting out in quality. So uh, when I was in the laboratory quality role and I had read Beyond Heroes and On the Mend, and I was so excited to use all of the improvement tools that I had been reading about. And I spoke with laboratory leadership and suggested a daily management board. And leadership was so supportive. And I started the process of implementing the board. Um, I worked with leadership to determine metrics, uh, made a fun design, identified the location it would go, when and where the huddle would occur. I put out communication on the board and why it was valuable. And um, Go Live came and it went. Um, the board was never used. Um, I'd never spoken with caregivers or supervisors about their thoughts, uh, what metrics they cared about, or any of the logistics. Um, and I had lost the trust of the as a quality because I had done something to them instead of being a facilitator, facilitator for them to be the creators. Um, I took it personally. I felt like a failure. Uh, soon after that, there was a quality initiative I was asked to work with the lab caregivers on. And because I had lost their trust previously, I had to try and build my credibility back up with them. And it was really difficult. Um, The lab and I moved on to complete several quality initiatives after that. But I had to remember that these improvements did not belong to me. I was a facilitator with tools and my job was to help them use those tools in a way that made them the owners. Uh, it was a very hard lesson, and I still struggle with taking projects personally when they are not sustainable. Uh, but if you can create a space where you have trust with the team, that is invaluable, and it's a really great foundation. No, I, I really appreciate that story because um, so first it sounds like you've reflected on it and it, it sounds like it might be one of those um, project stories that sticks with you even when you go and start new projects like you probably have that quick flashback uh, to some degree right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah so I mean I, I've had similar um, you know moments of failure that I could relate to there but you know, what you said in terms of building trust, I think that's the the key thing that sticks out with me in that story. So um, could you share with me any thoughts around, you know, your approach now to maybe build trust on the front end before you kind of go in and do process improvement to the teams that you're working on? Uh, what What are some, you know, probably jumping in a little bit on my next question for you, but what are some of your tips or tricks just for the trust building part of your work now? Right. I think that the some of the best things that you can do is listen. Um, a lot of times when you start off uh, on projects, 
people are going to tell you what the problem is. They're going to tell you what the solutions are. Um, sometimes they've seen some data, sometimes they haven't. Uh, but the biggest thing for me is listening to them, uh, letting them um, talk about what they think, uh, their experiences, uh, not judging them, just listening, not questioning their experience or what they've been dealing with. And I think that's a really good start and really focusing on the process. Again, how did the process fail them instead of, um, well, could you, could you have done this and could you have done that? And that certainly comes, you know, that can come later. Um, could the process look like this um, and not focus on the person, but really it's listening, listening to their experiences and what they've been going through. That's a great start too. I love that. The listening piece and what I also heard in your comment there is kind of empathizing with their situation too. So um, awesome. Nope. Perfect, perfect feedback. Um, Very reflective story. And again, Sarah, if it, if it helps, you know, I I, I get to be on the perfect side of this conversation because I get to ask you the questions, but trust me when I say like, I've looked at these questions a million times and sometimes I struggle (laughs) with Like if I was on your side of the microphone, how I would answer too. So, um, so no, I'm glad you appreciate this question. And I even, I'm scared of it myself. Cause I, I'm like, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What do you do from which failure? I mean, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, perfect. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's pick it up from that question then, Sarah, let me move you to the next one. And like I said, hopefully I didn't trip over this question already for you, but I would love for you to give our quality people that one tip, tool, or tactic that you found um, really helps you to build those intimate connections on project teams that you're leading. Uh, Share with us what it is and how do you apply it? Yeah, uh, for me, it's really going to the Gemba has been one of the most value-added tactics for me. Uh, By watching the process from beginning to the end, listening to the people doing the work, asking questions. You have such a great opportunity to show them respect for the work that they do and also learn more about the flow. Uh, Sometimes pieces of a process doing uh, the observations and going to the Gemba. So for example, the workplace environment. So someone is constantly getting interrupted. There's standard work, but it's in a third door to the bottom on a faded piece of paper that's becoming harder and harder to read. Uh, The process in the EHR is done differently depending on the person doing it. So for me, going to the Gemba fills in some gaps and can also help a process make a lot more sense along with the data. And again, you're showing the people who do the work the respect. All right. See, I know I'd already said, Sarah, that you were in the right place by being on this podcast, but that answer solidifies it. So (laughs) if this was like, you know, the family feud for quality improvement, going to the gimbal would always be the number one answer in my world. So I I love it. No, a family feud for quality. That would be my dream. (laughs) I'm working on it. Actually. So, you know, it's funny. I actually run a lot of Jeopardy games when I do training. But now that I've said it, that's actually not a bad idea. So we have to figure that out. Holy moly. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> All right. Perfect. No, I, I really love that answer, um, Sarah. You know, going to the Gimba is such a powerful um, approach for all projects. But, you know, I, I'm in the process now of trying to get some executives that I'm working with to go to the Gimba, especially right. with a lot of the COVID, you know, responses going on right now. And, Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's it's interesting. There's some push and some pull, I guess, you know, for 
right. non-Gimba minded folks or non-process improvement minded folks, the Gimba can be scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love, mm-hmm. you know, would you have one or two tips? Like what's a go-to first step to go to the Gimba? Do you, you know, kind of collect a lot of information ahead of time? Do you pull data about the particular units? What, what's your approach just get started with like, hey guys, let's go to the Gimba and here's the one or two things we're going to take with us or, or approach. Yeah. When I go to the Gimba, I try not to look at a lot of information beforehand. Um, I like to go in kind of blind. Um, but in terms of helping executives do Gemba walks, I think it's really important to have questions readily prepared. Um, sometimes the question of how's everything going? Do you need anything? Um, you know, nine times out of 10, someone's going to say, nope, I'm good. Thank you. Um, but I think having really pointed questions prepared is, a re- I think it's a way to kind of take some of the pressure off. Um, maybe a script or something that just, you know, I, I'm just here to watch what you're doing and um, check out uh, your process. And when I go to the Gemba for a quality initiative, I, I like to know high level uh, what, what maybe the opportunity is, but not too much information and just kind of go into it uh, with an open mind. Perfect. Nope. I- I've done all of the above, you know, just short of like scare, <laughs> scaring the heck out of people when you show up um, right. and, and just, you know, randomly just stand in the middle of the hall or watch activities. But, you know, the one thing I, I will say, even when you just show up, the one thing I do try to do is like, you know, I show up, take my observations, write my notes, whatever I'm doing. And then I always show the people exactly what I So the teams that I'm, you know, observing or the process, I let everybody see. And that's, that's another way for kind of building trust while in the Gimba that I found works really, really well. Great. Yeah. I think that's the, that's awesome. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> no, please steal shameless, but uh, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, Sarah, next question I have for you is I would love for you to take us or um, to share with us one of the best aha moments that you've had as a healthcare professional. But again, you know, walk us through the moment, share with us how did the idea strike you and definitely if you were able to turn it into a personal or professional success. Absolutely. So in Lean and Six Sigma, we, you know, we're trying to remove variation. We're trying to remove waste and create, um, be the facilitator for teams to create a value-added process. But one crucial reason in particular um, that I've really had aha moments about is to reduce cost, uh, generate cost savings or cost avoidance. Uh, doing so can really help to leverage quality. Um, healthcare is a business. Patients are the customers, and we are expected to create a seamless experience with minimal cost or waste. And when you're able to attach quality to cost, I think that in some ways you're securing a seat at the table for the business. Um, I remember being on a project for surgery scheduling and being asked, what's the potential uh, ROI if we can reduce the surgery scheduling wait time? And I just thought, whoa, that's so far from my mind. You know, I was thinking the patient experience scores indicate that this is an opportunity for improvement. And that was it. Uh, I was not considering that by decreasing surgery scheduling wait times, we could schedule patients sooner, potentially perform additional surgeries, which is um, a, an excellent source of revenue and improve patient experience scores. So that was really when 
I started to make the connection that um, it's so important to make bridge that gap and introduce the cost savings or cost avoidance by um, really bringing on these quality initiatives. All right. So I, I don't know if I'm going off script now or if I'm just kind of getting on like a, a my high horse right now, Sarah, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, what you just shared there, I think is um, very important to essentially double down on because, you know, first you said healthcare is a business, right? We work mm-hmm. with clinicians and a lot of leaders in many of our facilities that um, they're here for the patient care aspects, not always the business aspects. So I've, I've personally been in the meetings where I'm the guy asking those questions like, hey, have we established our, our you know, um, critical to quality requirements? Have we re- right. um, established our business case? I'm the business guy in many of our mm-hmm. project meetings. And I, I have literally right. been told, stop being the business guy. Um, by some healthcare leaders. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? That's the only thing we should be worried about. Now, to the credit now, I've also been the guy who's probably hasn't put enough emphasis on the patient experience. So I, I wear my hat like I'm an engineer first. I'm thinking business, processes, systems. Right. Um, but, you know, everything you just said in your summary, I think is so important, especially right now, again, in the middle of all this COVID, um, the, the COVID experience is what I've been calling it where hospitals are now starting to, you know, have reductions in force, um, you know, furloughing right. staff and all these other things that are coming because guess what? Healthcare is a business. So, right. so yeah, like I said, I don't know if I, I just had to double down on what you just said. I think that's important for every project <laughs> we do. You got to have some kind of dollars attached, you know, whether they're soft dollars right. or hard dollars. I think that's very important. So I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I mean, the team that I work with, they do such a great job of, you know, trying to assist and support people to create those business cases and um, especially our project managers. Um, But as a performance engineer, that's not, for a long time, that wasn't part of my mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, It was usually patient experience, but I realized that it's really important, especially to quality. Absolutely. And like I said, I, I know for sure at a young, younger age in my career, I was so far slanted in the other direction. It was probably good that I heard the mm-hmm. messages that I heard at the time. Um, so now I appreciate all the other parts of the the business more, the patient experience, the staff experience with me not scaring the heck right. out of them during my improvement project. But, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, and at the same time, it's a business. So, so yeah, we have to find the balance, right. but we have to include those elements. So I, I think that's spot on feedback. So Definitely. Perfect. Um, let me let me move you to this. And I, I'm very curious. I always get excited about this question personally, but from a healthcare leader out in South Dakota, um, Sarah, <laughs> I would love for you to share with us, you know, what are some changes going on across the healthcare industry that you're personally excited about? And what role do you see quality and process improvement professionals playing to promote it and support it? I love this question. I couldn't decide. Um, But I think population health, uh, my mind, population health future. And I'm so excited about the opportunities that it brings to our patients and, of course, our quality people. Uh, I was so excited to hear your episode with Amy Bedingfield when she talked about population health. And I just think that population health takes many pieces of quality that we love, uh, such as value, data, 
patient-centered care, better outcomes, and combines it into one place. Um, I think that quality people will have an opportunity to develop what those care models could look like, uh, be involved in the coordination processes in the care continuum, and it's truly an excellent time to be in quality. No, I, I, I always respect the population health um, feedback. <laughs> and if you if you recall, so I, I love that you brought up Amy. Amy was been, you know, that, that episode taught me a lot about it. And one of the biggest right. things, yeah, that I learned was that there's still so much opportunity to even define exactly what population health yeah. is, you know. So it's still like this big ball of clay that I think is being molded by a lot of different <laughs> groups. So um Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, and, and kind of in the same mindset then, um, what is it within the healthcare industry that the industry overall can do to now attract more, you know, ambitious and talented quality professionals to either come in and start their careers or, or you know, for folks like us who have been in healthcare for us to continue to push and grow our career? Right. Um, so I think it's critical to see the organization's uh, culture uh, leadership, not only support process improvement, but that they're also willing to invest their time. And in healthcare, that's gold. Um, one of the biggest ways to attract quality people is probably seeing leadership being hands-on in quality initiatives. Um, this shows the culture of quality, and without it, improvements are very difficult to start, get buy-in, sustain. Um, so I really think Having leadership be a part of those quality initiatives is very important. And see, it's not too often when I don't have some like tag on, you know, question. So, Sarah, all I have to say is amen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's like the next frontier of healthcare quality improvement. Um, and I, so, I'll share it really quickly. I know this is your show, but I'll, I'll share it really quickly, Sarah. That <laughs> you know when. When I got into healthcare, um, I started my career um, back at Duke Hospital, and it was actually really common for the executives to be a part of our projects, even if it was just a matter of showing up, kicking the teams off in a certain way, especially, you know, if we were doing Kaizen events. Um, mm -hmm. And then we had a very routine Lean Six Sigma committee that met two to three times a month. And I mean, it was led by the CEO and a lot of the chief leaders of that organization. That's awesome. Yeah, we had to come and present and, you know, we were paired up. It was myself and a clinical leader. So that was one of the best structures in my personal career. But I haven't had that in too many places um, to see executives at the table. So I think you are, again, spot on, my friend. Oh, <laughs> um, the oh, man, I feel like we're flying through this episode, Sarah. So we are like right there at the halfway point already. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, man, we, we are like cranking through these questions. But uh, Sarah, of course, again, um, this is the official two-minute drill for our show. And I would love to um, move you into the next half of the show after, you know, first checking in with you, seeing if you are feeling good, you're ready to rock and roll. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Wonderful. But um, next question I have for you is a two-parter. So I would first love to have you share with our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best, but then also share with us, how do you inspire others within your organization? Right. What inspires me to do my best are the patients. So whether you're in an inpatient setting, ambulatory, uh, it's a vulnerable place to be. Um, if we can impact a patient's experience, 
in a positive way under difficult circumstances, that's incredibly powerful. Um, how I try to inspire others by showing is by showing my passion for quality. I really, truly love what I do. I love the industry that I'm in. I think coming into a room with often overworked team members with the attitude um, that I have uh, to support a safe and positive environment for change. Change is hard. It's important to have a really good attitude. Right, wonderful. I love that feedback. And uh, Sarah, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Meet people where they are. Uh, when I started out on this career path, I was a hammer. And so all I saw were nails. Uh, I saw opportunities everywhere and I wanted to help. Um, but the reality is that change is hard. And sometimes teams do not see the value in the improvement for their teams yet, um, regardless of the data or any other information. And I was asked to help a team with a quality initiative and they did not think there was an opportunity for improvement. Uh, so you can offer help when they're ready and meet them where they are. And also on the flip side, if someone is ready for improvement, but the team doesn't have the capacity to put in time or resources, but they want the change to happen. They want things to get better. So it's really important to meet people where they are and what they're hoping to accomplish and determining how we can work together to get there. And when they're ready, meet them where they are. Small incremental changes over time, you know? No, that's wonderful. I personally wish I had learned that sooner in my career as well. Um, I think I may have come in very similarly. I was a hammer, everybody was a nail, and I was trying to get things done at the expense of relationship. Um, and it's just a long, long lesson to learn. So um, that's excellent. And I hope you know our audience takes that to heart. If anybody has not heard that, meet people what they are is if that's the <laughs> mind, that's the mindset of lean. So um, right, you know, wonderful. Well, wonderful. it took a long time. <laughs> you know, we we are also on our own personal journey. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> awesome, uh, Sarah. If you could trade jobs with anyone in your organization, with whom would it be, and why? So, I had a lot of thought into this, and I decided I don't want to trade, but instead, I want to buddy up. <laughs> um, I would like to follow our chief information officer and chief medical officer. Uh, Dr. Stephanie Lahr at Monument Health. Um, information technology is and will likely continue to be a driving force in the advancement of healthcare, specifically population health. And I specifically see so many opportunities related to population health that I think could really, um, that could really make such a difference. And what I know right now about different adva advancements for technology uh, for improvement is very tiny, and I would love to listen and watch what else is coming or being considered for our organization or anywhere, healthcare, healthcare systems all across the world. All right, so that is the first time I've had a double up, and <laughs> you know, Sarah, I will absolutely allow it. I, I love it. I love the mindset. <laughs> <there. laughs> uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, next question I have for you is, uh, could you please share a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading quality improvement initiatives? Well, Jarvis, I like to talk. <laughs> so I like to talk. Um, I love to talk about ideas, approaches to projects, tools, 
data analysis. And I'm really fortunate to have a leader who's patient and team members, uh, caregivers who listen to me when I say, hey, what do you think about this? Um, What are your thoughts on this? And as quality professionals, we also have an awesome network out there to bounce ideas off. And I really appreciate being able to speak with guests that have been on your show to talk about their experiences, tools, tricks, and um, really staying connected and designating the time to listen, learn, and discuss all things quality. All right. So now I have a total off off script question here. Have you spoken with any of the past guests as well? Any of the, I'm sorry, what? Have have you had a chance? Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on her name right now. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm scrolling right now because I was, oh my gosh, I, she is so awesome. And um, I completely spaced. I'm so nervous. No, no, (laughs) no, don't be. No, I I just, I, I personally think that's awesome. That, that, is exactly what I would love to hear from anybody who listens to this podcast. Um, Cause all the guests are, are truly amazing and open to connecting further. So, um, you know, well, I, yeah. yeah, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot, but no, I just, I love that <laughs> feedback. So it's like, I'm learning well, and I'm interviewing that. at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did send a math problem to Mark Green. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I, I was, I really, can you help me figure this out? And, um, yeah, he, he was great. Um, so I've definitely, you know, I've done that and I'm, God, I'm just spacing on her name, but, uh, there was, uh, an awesome health, healthcare quality person on your show. And I, I wanted to talk to her about business continuity and strategy. And she made the time to talk to me and I can't believe I can't remember her name, oh, <laughs> but right, we'll, we'll awesome. figure it out in a post show. <laughs> but... All right. Sounds good. Yeah, no, that, that that really is exciting. So I, I appreciate hearing that. And again, that's what I hope everyone who does follow this show, take the chance to at least, you know, connect with many of these leaders on LinkedIn, but throw questions and connect with them. You know, that that's what the intent and, you know, the, the real goal of all this. So um, keep building that, that community of quality people. So thank you. you. You've made my night, Sarah. So thank you very much. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> All right. So back on script. See, that, that's what happens when I go off script. It's like these shows end up being like an hour long. So. Yeah, it's Crystal Davis. Crystal Davis. Awesome. Yes, yes. I know. She is so nice. So nice. All right. So next uh, next question that I have for you, I'm trying to figure out where I got off script at. Um, Sarah, I would <laughs> love for you to share a go-to website or mobile application for executing on the work that you lead. Yeah. So for this, it was kind of neck and neck for me. So ASQ, American Society for Quality and IHI, Institute for Healthcare Improvement. I'm on both of these at least once a day. Uh, IHI has really great tools that are readily available for free. And being a member of ASQ also gives me access to tons of resources and information on all things quality, trends, um, all just so much information. And so I'm, I think both of those have been really great for me. All right. Wonderful. Very, very classic resources. Um, <laughs> if you could share with our quality people, a professional um, society and a professional conference that uh, you think would be a value add. Yeah. So I'm going to deviate just a tiny bit. Um, 
So uh, when I thought about this, I, it's not necessarily a conference or professional society that I'm interested in right now. Um, I'm really into workshops or observing a process in another healthcare system. So um, observing the tiered huddle process at Cleveland Clinic or watching um, the team-based care model at UC Health or Bell and Health. I think uh, watching the process firsthand and being able to ask pretty candid questions about barriers, um, how the process is impacting them, uh, what what led them to that place, um, challenges, barriers. Those are really what's interesting to me right now. Well, wonderful. Um, you know, it, it's been in the back of my mind for some time now to try to figure out how to get folks to maybe record more information about the real projects that they're working on. So yeah, I, I guess I, I hear that in your reply that that could be an additional value add is to not just kind of hear the stories or especially, you know, when you go to a conference and you just see folks kind of right. present, present the snippets, but to actually see the facilitation, you know, in motion or to see the the tools and the actual processes um, being used, the visual boards, that's that's kind of what I hear. And that, that's been a thought in my mind. I, I need to maybe, you know, kind of flesh that out a little bit more, but is, is that kind of the mindset? Oh yeah, definitely. I think going to conferences, um, you know, people will talk, about what some of their challenges were. Uh, but a lot of times I wanna hear from the people that are doing it. I wanna know when someone is running a tiered huddle and getting information to bring to the next tier, uh, what are some of the challenges that they've had? Um, how did they decide what they wanted to share up to the next tier? Um, those are really the, I wanna hear from the people that are doing it. All right, challenge accepted. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it really has been, and I have some thoughts. I haven't just, I just hadn't shaken the time to to push it further, but um, no, I appreciate that again. So um, thank you. I'm clearly marking that for a personal challenge to to bring to the market somehow. Um, (laughs) But uh, next question I have for you, Sarah, is if you could recommend one book um, to our quality people, what would it be and why? Yeah, um, I'm a pretty huge strategy nerd. Uh, so for me, I would recommend uh, Beyond Strategic Vision by Michael Cowley and Ellen Doom. Uh, I really love this book. I think it brings to the surface some of the missteps that we make when we develop strategic plans and that creating the plan is just one piece. Um, how do you get there? And what does success look like? And when and how do you react when you're not reaching your goals? I think Mark Graven's book also um, does a great job of talking about that as well. Um, so strategic, beyond strategic vision really brings those topics to the surface and makes the connection to process improvement and quality. Great. Wonderful. I've never heard of that one before, so I'm shutting that down to, to check out personally. So I appreciate the recommendation. Um, it's an oldie but goodie. You know, those those are the best ones. You know, um, I, I'm constantly <laughs> sharing with folks, you know, books by Philip Crosby and of course Dimming, and they are still so relevant today. So it sounds like this might fall into that that same mindset. Oh, definitely. Awesome. Well, um, Sarah, we are right there at the famous last question. So um <laughs> I'm gonna get you to reflect on your past while you look forward to your future, but 
Let's say that you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future. Take a few seconds and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages? Yeah, I think the text that I would send myself in the past um, to celebrate, I think so often we move really quickly from project to project and we have so many things going on simultaneously. And my definition of what a successful improvement is has changed so much over the years. And I forget to celebrate those moments. And um, I, I wish that I could have celebrated those moments more, even when at the time I interpreted them as failures. Um, the text I would send myself to the future would be to keep learning, listening, and networking. Never stop, never stop any of those things. No, wonderful. I love both of those. Um, I can definitely relate with the, you know, celebrate feedback. And um, Sarah, without a doubt, again, just from what I perceived of you before our conversation tonight, but definitely after talking to you, I have no doubt that you are going to be the person that's going to keep learning, keep reaching out, keep connecting with other um, healthcare quality improvement leaders and healthcare leaders. So um, I, I have no doubt that you'll be saying that to yourself <laughs> 10 years from now and you're going to be right there on the money. Um, so I, I honestly, yeah, yeah no, I, I really, I can't thank you enough. This was really fun. Um, I feel like this entire conversation <laughs> just flew by. So um, before I let you go, Sarah, I would love to end this show with you giving our uh, quality people a parting piece of advice, uh, share the best way that they can connect and follow you on social media. And hopefully they do connect with you and follow you the way you've connected and followed other um, great <laughs> guests that have been on this show. And Sarah, then we'll officially sign off. Right. So uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Sarah Cook. Um, that's really, I'm on LinkedIn more than I'm on anything else. Um, and my parting advice is to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you're part of an evolution of improvement. And really during this time, of COVID-19, maybe even part of a revolution in healthcare, which is it's really one of the most important industries out there. So truly just keep doing what you're doing. You're making a difference. Even if you don't think you're hitting those marks, um, you really are. Perfect. I love it. I, I just saw a quote. Um, it was either yesterday or the day before that says, if we lose the, if we go back to the way we were after we get through this experience, then we lost the lesson. So I love your mindset right. about we are potentially leading the industry revolution. So, um, so absolutely. Yeah, so perfect, Sarah. So spot on. Um, such a fun conversation with you tonight. So thank you again. And to our quality people everywhere, thank you all for listening and making us a part of your day. This is Jarvis and Sarah, and we're signing off. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast, brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.